Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mother always told me, sit up straight, eat all your vegetables, and stay out of small foreign cars. But Joey, Mother never told me about Ultrabrite. Ultrabrite has more whitener than any leading toothpaste, and the taste that turned toothpaste from dull to dynamite. My mother thought that all that whitening would make me too exciting, so Mother never told me about Ultrabrite. Hey, this is Lou Santiago of Car Fix and GarageInsiderTV.com. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Enjoy the show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us, or see me, rather, waving my happy little hand here in our studio in downtown Clearwater. And be sure and check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Go to our stuff page and pick up a T-shirt and a decal. And also be sure and check out our events page because there's a ton of events going on, which we will talk about in a few minutes. And if you've missed any of our past shows, be sure and check out our podcast. And also go to Facebook and like us on Facebook. While I'm talking about the events page, let's go back there for a second. We have a ton of stuff going on. This week, starting Friday, for about 10 days in Kissimmee, Florida, it's a huge Meekum auction, okay? And as we speak, as I'm sitting here in Scottsdale, Arizona, there is a ton of auctions going on. You've got six auctions going on. You've got the Bonham auction, the RM auction, the Russo and Steel auction, the Gooding auction, the Silver auction, and most importantly, you have the Bear Jackson auction. I mean, that is just a real busy week. Also, at the end of the month, we have Daytona 24-hour race. We've got the Cavalino. We've got the famous Devereaux Kaiser show, which has been moved from downtown Sarasota to the Venice Airport. So you can run to our website. Again, check out our events page, and we've got information on how to get there. And like I said before, we've got two very fascinating guests this evening. So without further ado, we're going to take a commercial break, and we're going to bring on our first guest. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive and downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Hey, this is Danny the Count Coker from Counting Cars out here in Las Vegas, and I love listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you better listen to them too. 
Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our first guest for the evening. He's the consignment director for Meekum Auctions and also the co-host. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening, John Craman. John, how are you? Hey, doing good, Robert. So, we got a big auction coming up here in, God, less than a week, week and a half away. Tell us a little bit about us. It's Meekum in Kissimmee, correct? It sure is. Yeah, big is an understatement. Uh, this will be the world's largest collector car auction that has ever been held in the history of the world. It eclipses uh, the second-placed auction, which was our Kissimmee, Florida auction last year. And let me give you the numbers for just a quick comparison. Last year at Kissimmee was six days, 2,150 cars, and $60 million in sales. For 2013, we've really raised the bar with 10 consecutive full days, starting January 18th, that's a Friday, and concluding on Sunday, January 27th, 3,000 cars with a sales target. Are you listening? Are you ready for this? I'm listening. $75 million is our goal. $75 million just for the one, for just for the 10 days. <laughs> Over the 10-day sale. That's, That's more business than the average car dealership will do an entire year. And we do it on the road at an auction in 10 days. It's pretty amazing. That's incredible. So tell us about some of the feature cars that are going to be there this year. Something that can really, really sink our teeth in and get excited about. Well, listen to this. Check this out. First of all, for Corvette enthusiasts, Mm-hmm. We have over 400 Corvettes out of the 3,000 entries. So it is literally a Corvette lover's dream, including Holy Grail cars such as 1957 Corvette Airbox cars. Those were the, the race-only factory fuel-injected cars that were uh, really considered to be the first of the true high-performance race Corvette. Uh, L88 Corvettes, uh, some real low-mileage cars, including a 63 split window. Uh, Fuely with only 5,000 original miles with original paint. It's red with a red interior. It literally looks, smells, drives, acts like a brand spanking new car. And a Corvette of virtually every generation, every option, every color is going to be at this at this auction. In addition to that, muscle car enthusiasts are going to just absolutely freak out with things like eight Boss 429 Mustangs, three Hemi Cudas. I mean, most auctions will be lucky to have one of those type of cars, and we've got multiples of literally all the heavy hitters from all of the muscle car genres. Uh, LS6s, um, L78s, L79s, uh, Ram Air 4 GTOs, uh, W30 Oldsmobiles, 428 Cobra Jet, Mach 1 Mustangs. It's just with 3,000 cars, it will represent the highest quality, uh, most diverse docket of collector cars ranging from $5,000 to over a million dollars that the world has ever seen. Amazing. Now, let me just ask you a question. Last year, you had 2,000 and change. The year before right. that, I think you had like 1,500, 1,600 cars, correct? Right. Correct. Is, does it, and I got to ask you this honestly, does it reach a point where do you feel that it's kind of like too many or what is your take on it? I mean, what is the premise? What I, I explain it to me and my listeners because, you know, we're used to going to auctions where you see maybe three, 400 cars, but you're talking thousands and thousands of cars, which is truly amazing and overwhelming. But just kind of put that in perspective for us. Well, absolutely. And it's a great question and it's a valid question. It's a question that we get asked all the time. But here's what happened. Um, as Mecham Auctions has grown in the past four or five years to be undisputedly the world's largest cut to car auction company, our, um, really our landmark auctions, such as our Kissimmee, Florida auction, also has grown into such an immense event. Robert, it was customer demand to want to be in this auction that forced us to go to 10 days and have positions available for 3,000 cars. Here's what happened. We opened up the docket we, we as, as a six-day auction, just like it was last year. We opened the docket up on October 1st. By the end of that first week, at the end of five working days, we had over 1,000 consignments, and we could not keep up with the demand. So we had 
had an emergency meeting over the weekend. Dana Meekum, our company president, we refer to him as a dealmaker, made the decision we're going to have to extend this or we're going to have to tell people no. The good news is both buyers and sellers have gotten behind us on this concept of this 10-day, 3,000-car mega auction, something the world has never seen before, and we're predicting another phenomenal high-energy success from the first car on Friday to the last car on the following Sunday. Now, prior to Kissimmee kind of taking the front stage for you, didn't it used to be Indy? Wasn't Indy your big one? It was, and Indy is still, it's still sort of our, it's the granddaddy of all Meekum auctions. We'll be celebrating the 26th annual event at Indianapolis here in May with around 2,000 cars. Here's the situation. We are landlocked with the amount of consignments that we can put onto the Indiana fairgrounds uh, at about 2,000 cars, and even that is pushing it to a stretch. So we were able to kind of take the momentum of both of our two big auctions, the Indy auction and the Kissimmee, Florida auction, and, and let them seek their own level, so to speak, and the fact that, one, we have the facility size to be able to place the cars, and two, both buyer and seller demand is so strong in North Florida. In January, uh, Central Florida, we it's it's a match made in heaven. Not to take anything away from Indy, it still is probably our most, it's certainly our best-known auction, but boy, you know, Kissimmee now is established itself as the world's largest collector car auction, and I think over the next couple of years, you know, word's going to get out. In January, where the cars are, are in Kissimmee, Florida, not anywhere else. Now, that's interesting because I'm going to throw a couple of uh, questions at you. For example, you first of all, you're based out of Indianapolis, aren't you? Well, actually, our, the, the corporate headquarters are based in Walworth, Wisconsin, of all places. Oh, really? And that's uh, basically a stone's throw from the in, uh, Illinois-Wisconsin border. Mm-hmm. And but, but we don't hold any collector car auctions here. This is just our corporate headquarters with about 50 full-time employees running things here. Okay. Well, the question I've got is is now, um, now next week, for example, is Barrett-Jackson. You've got, and, and, or the Scott. Scottsdale Auction Week, if you want to call that, because you got Barrett, you got RM, you got Silver, you got Russo, um, Bonhams. I mean, you got six auctions going on, and that takes up that whole week. and And it's a lot of driving around. And I'm sure you've been there because you got to go here, go there, go all over the place. But it's fun, okay? Now, I'm I'm guessing that you're trying to establish the same thing. Do you feel that because it's going on almost the same time, you know, it's within a few days now, that it's going to impact your auction at all? And how receptive would you be if other auctions came, let's just say, within the same week, not the first week? But the second week, in other words, after, do you think that it would reach a point of saturation, or do you think it would be a plus, or would you, like, split the people? You got the East Coast and the West Coast, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, again, Robert, great question. We get asked that all the time, and and here's the way we feel about it. We think that there's really probably two distinct markets. There's, um, you know, East of the Mississippi and West of the Mississippi. And I think the fact that if somebody was a hardcore collector car junkie, whether they want to buy at auction or just go there and see a bunch of great cars, it's certainly going to be a lot more convenient for somebody to come to Mecham and see 3,000 cars under one roof at one location at one time, as opposed to going to Scottsdale, running about the same time, having to go to six different locations, and still not seeing as many cars or as much variety of cars as what they'll see at Mecham. What I'm saying is, we'll have more cars at Kissimmee, Florida, than all six of the Scottsdale auctions combined. Well, that's true. That's true. I actually, I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. And, it's, and, us, it's a new concept us, too. And, and probably, if you're familiar with the Pavilion car show that they have in Scottsdale, okay, it's just right down the street from Scottsdale there, off to the by the interstate there at the Pavilion uh, Shopping Center complex, there's a thousand cars that show up there. Not all of them for sale, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of cars there. Alright, let me throw this at you. 
I was in Monterey, okay, uh, this past year, and you guys had, actually had a pretty good auction. Um, I was pretty impressed with the variety of cars, most notably the LM917 uh, Porsche, the George Fulmer car. And I think that was a big draw for you to have that car, you know, to be in that area, because Monterey typically is a Ferrari, Porsche, vintage race car, Duesenberg, Auburn kind of, you know, market, you know, high end. And you guys kind of did pretty well there. I mean, actually, it was pretty easy to get into the auction. Parking was good. The selection of cars was great. So I, I was pretty impressed. That's the first time that I've been to your auction in Monterey. I've been to the other ones, but that, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. So. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. We're very proud of that auction, and here's why. First of all, we're relative newcomers to Monterey compared to you know some of the old-school auction companies that have been there you know for years. Once again, we identified the market. We went in, and in our fourth year, we had more consignments at our one auction over three days than all the other auction companies had there combined, and we're referred to as the daytime auction, keeping in mind that if you want to go to Mecham during the daytime, it leaves you free to go to the competitive auctions in the evening. Okay. On top of that, you mentioned the 917 Porsche it sold for $5.5 million and helped us to generate a very cool $30 million in sales at the Monterey auction. We are definitely established as a player out there in the land of the exotics now. Well, yeah, and then Wayne Carini bought his uh, that very rare car that he had, that early teens, that brass car. Yeah, and that, the, the, that's... Uh, the Simplex. And that sold for what, a million? No, it was like, I think it was like, was it like two, I thought it was like north of two million. Oh, it was some amazing amount of money because even he was yeah, stunned. I think it was 2.2 million as I recall. So really, that kind of sets the stage for you guys to be, you know, rivals, you know, from to some extent there, you know, I mean, you've got, uh, you're, you're, in, you're in the mix up there with those guys in Monterey, which is great. Well, you're exactly right. And I think that that holds true with all of our venues across the country. We're not looking to go after anybody. We're just looking to identify markets and opportunities that we think that we can excel in. And the good news is, is we're not just the muscle car guys anymore. You mentioned out our success in Monterey. We debuted in Anaheim, California just a few months ago for our first time auction ever in Southern California at the Anaheim Convention Center. Um, we sold more cars and generated more money and income than the other major collector car company had done there in the past three years to the point that they just made the announcement in the past week that they will no longer be going and having their auction at the Orange County Fairgrounds. <laughs> wow. Pretty interesting. All right, let's, let me throw this question at you, too. I am an appraiser, okay? So a question oh. that I am often asked, Robert, where's the market going? So I'm going to say, John, where do you think the market's going? Yeah, boy, that's a great question. Uh, this is all this is all good stuff. Here's my thoughts. As we all know, the peak of the collector car market was 2006, 2007. We all know the heady times we were all experiencing. The economic uh, times were were crazy, and money was available, and optimism was high. And of course, the crash of 2008 changed everything. And collector car prices, in general, certain cars dropped more than this, and certain cars dropped way less. But a general rule of thumb is about 30 to 35 percent decrease and value of collector cars almost overnight. What we've seen really in the past couple of years is definitely a stability in the market. I mean, we have gone in 2006 from selling $60 million in collector cars to now that we finished up 2012 to $288 million in sales in collector cars. That indicates one thing, Robert, that there's still a tremendous amount of activity in this market. Uh, is it forecast that prices of collector cars are going to go up and escalate in in uh, a relatively short period of time, let's say in the next three to five years, and reach the point that we saw back in the mid
mid-2000 era? I'm going to probably say no. But I will say this, without any agenda, if you want to buy a collector car, this is now the time to buy. They are not going down in value. The market definitely is stable, and I think we're going to see some incremental price increases, particularly on the high-demand cars and on the cars where, you know, that are really truly legends. Um, you know, split-window Corvettes, um, Mustangs of all vintage, muscle cars, significant 50s chrome and fin era cars, and even some of the cars into the 1970s are starting to move a little bit, the Camaros and the Firebirds in particular. But generally speaking, 99.9%, I'm not exaggerating, of the buyers are extremely pleased with the purchase of the cars because it's really enthusiasts selling to other enthusiasts. This is a labor of love for everybody to get involved with these auctions, and there's a whole culture there, and it's, it's growing by leaps and bounds. It's really the way to buy a collector car right now. Well, that's super. So why don't you plug Meekum this week one more time, because you'll be up on stage, right? Yeah, we're going to be actually live on the air for four consecutive days, the Wednesday through Saturday for eight hours each day, one until nine, on Velocity by Discovery. But the auction starts on Friday, January the 18th, and runs consecutively for 10 days, uh, finishing up on the 27th of January, which is a Sunday. You'll see 3,000 of the best collector cars you have ever seen in your life, the action, the pace, the people. It's the most exciting car show you will ever go to. I can guarantee anybody that decides to come and either spectate or buy or sell. It's open to everyone. Okay, that's a Mikam Auto Auction in Kissimmee starting next Friday, right? That is correct. Okay, Actually, John. Uh, starts Friday at 10 a.m. Friday at 10 a.m. Oh, that's in the morning. Super. <laughs> Gates open at 8 o'clock every day. Okay, and I want to also point out, too, that uh, for my listeners, I have free tickets. So for the callers that call in this evening on tonight's show, I have some tickets available, okay? The ninth caller and the 11th caller to the call in, leave your name and number, and we will get you some tickets. The number here is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. You will get some free tickets to the Mecham Auto Auction, okay, which is going on for 10 days, commencing Friday, okay? John, I want to thank you very much for calling in, and uh, look forward to seeing you here at the auction. We'll see you there, Robert. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, sure you won't change your mind about this. Uh-huh. This belongs to me inside of my lips. I don't see any difference. Oh, I do. Okay. You know you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything, and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. 
Okay, we're back, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guests for the evening. And when I say special, I mean special. I mean, this uh, lovely person comes from a family of racing, got an extensive racing background in her pedigree, okay? She's a well-known author, she's a model, and she's also a TV star. She's the current host of Spike TV's Power Block. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening the lovely Courtney Hansen. Courtney, are you there? Oh, you guys are so sweet. What an intro. <laughs> How about that? I knew you'd like that. Hey, one more thing real quick. Since you went to Florida State, I'm going to say go Knowles. Go Knowles! <laughs> yeah. I, I, wonder how many interviewers, <laughs> I wonder how many interviewers say that to you. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I probably get it once a year. <laughs> once a year, really? Okay, well, since we're in Florida, yeah. and my uh, my wife went to Florida State, she graduated from there in 82, and I started to nice. go there, and so we're all big and FSU fans. I didn't, no, I didn't. Uh, I, you, you did what? I went in the car business. <laughs> well, that's a good place to be. That's I'm, good, I'm there, too. That's, I segued FSU to the car business. <laughs> did you? Actually, you went to FSU from Minnesota, but did you go to FSU while you were still living in Minnesota, or did you move the, from Minnesota to Florida and then go to Florida State? I we moved to Florida first and lived there for many years and then ended up going to Florida State. And I loved it. That was such an amazing experience. I just, I mean, of course, it's a blast. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, but I really loved Tallahassee and I made some amazing friends. That was a cool experience. And then and then I moved around a little bit and um, ended up in Los Angeles 12 years ago. When you lived in Florida, where did you live besides Tallahassee? Because did your family move down here or just you came down for school? Yeah, I- I lived in Naples, and then I also lived in Miami. I lived in Miami, and I did some some you know modeling and acting work back in the day. And then um, I I had a lot of friends in Tampa and Orlando, and so really? um, I'm I'm always back visiting and making my way all, all across Florida. Well, super. Next time you're in the Clearwater area, which is on the other side of Tampa on the on the beach side, you can stop in yeah, and say hi to us. Ben, anytime. Okay, cool. I would love to. Great. You got an open invitation. You can sit in the studio anytime. <laughs> Thanks so much. I've been there many times. It's beautiful. All right. Well, tell us a little bit. Now, you did some modeling when you were in Miami there. So how did you get involved in the car thing? And I mean, as far as how did the, how did your, what did your big break on, uh, on TV come as far as doing uh, hosting TV shows? Well, hosting TV shows, uh, kind of my, my love for hosting kind of collided with uh, my love for cars. Um, with with overhauling, that was pretty much the big show that put me on the map, and um, the the first big car show that I did. But um, I've always been interested in cars. I grew up in a family. My dad raced SCCA and won twenty seven national titles in SCCA racing, and we used to own Brainerd International Raceway in Minnesota. And so I grew up on you know on the racetracks, hanging in the pits and the garages, and. And that's been my life since I can remember. And, of course, you know, I have the automotive thing in my blood, but I'm also a true enthusiast. And um, so I was kind of, like, hoping to somehow work with cars, and, and also I wanted to build a TV hosting career. So Overhauling was the, the ideal vehicle, <laughs> no pun intended. And, um, and that's what kind of put me on the map. And then from there... Um, I hosted Overhauling for a couple seasons and then moved on to the Power Block on Spike. And it's hard to believe I've been doing that for, this is my eighth season. And um, and then I've done some other projects as well that are non-automotive. Um, but it sounds like you guys want to talk cars today. <laughs> no, actually, what, I, well, what I'd like to do maybe is just kind of do a timeline. So, like, when you got the... Um, when your big break came on overhauling, did you have to actually audition for that? And who were some of the other people yeah. you had to compete with? Well, I auditioned for it, and, and pretty much anybody who knew anything about cars and who who also was able to host auditioned for the show. So 
there were quite a quite a few people, and um, I had some competition, and they weren't sure how they wanted to go with the show. If they wanted it to just be hosted by uh, you know a, a male host, or if they wanted a female in the mix, um, and then they decided that they just wanted they wanted a male host primarily with with a female who would sort of be like. Pam Anderson on Tool Time, so okay. the, the girl would just come into the garage and hand the guys the tools, and it would be kind of a, a light role for her. But then um, when I auditioned, the producer saw that I knew a ton about cars and that, that I had a genuine passion there, and so they decided to make the, the male and female roles equal, which is kind of cool. I loved hearing that, and mm-hmm. so um, I, I had gotten, I, I was chosen for the show prior, it's a long story, but basically there was a male host chosen who wasn't able to do the show, and so they had to re-audition all, all the guys, and so I was, I was kind of in the audition process with all the different male candidates, co-host candidates, and, um, and there were a lot of celebrities in the mix, and, um, a lot of athletes in the mix, and car enthusiasts, and, ended up going with Chris Jacobs, which was the perfect choice. And, of course, we, you know, I feel like we had great chemistry and we're still great friends to this day. But so that's that's how that all happened. And then um, it was an, an incredible experience, by the way. I loved it. And I'm still very good friends with everybody involved. And um, and now I'm, I'm happy to be focusing on some other projects. Well, some of your uh, your co-cast members have been on the show. I see Kevin Bird's been on, Brian Fuller's been on, Steve Strope's been on. So they were all part of the original A-Team. Love them all. Yep, all good friends of mine. And unfortunately, I don't get to see them too often, but I, I run into them all at SEMA every year. And I saw those guys um, in November at SEMA. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. All right. Tell us a little bit about your, about your writing. Was that something that was going on before or after or during, or how did the writing come about? Kind of before taking the role on Overholland, I was thinking to myself, I know a lot about cars. I grew up in the car world, and, and I have the passion, but I really want to know as much as I possibly can so that I can dive into these builds and help and you know take the cars apart and help reassemble them and, and, and um, do a little bit of everything in the garage. And so I, I studied everything about chip boost and about um, metal fabrication and about um, engine mechanics and I realized that of all the books on the shelves, there was nothing that really catered to women, and so I decided to write a book. And I mean, it's it's for the first, it's for the the new enthusiast, the first time car owner, you know, and, and women who generally, generally, I'm not trying to like stereotype here against my own people, but like generally, girls don't know as much about cars. So I wanted to kind of dumb it down and write a book um, that would that would talk about how to care for your daily driver, and cover everything from shopping for a car to uh, managing uh, emergency situations to tricking out your ride. And so I wrote a book in 2005 that was published. And then from there, people were interested in me doing columns for different magazines. So I did a column for Celebrity Car Magazine. I did a column for FHM Magazine. And now I've been doing, um, for several years, a column for Wheelbase Communications, which is a syndicated newspaper column. And um, so I, I write about everything from... Um, you know, the, the women who influence the car world to the hybrid and electric car, you know, movement, progression to, uh, to NASCAR. Like, I'll, I'll talk about all automotive-related subjects, so that's going strong. So, as far as the books and stuff, now the, the, the book that you did, do you have plans on writing another book, like a sequel to it, or uh, a book about racing, women and racing, anything like that? Yeah, i tossed around a few different ideas, and I definitely hope to write another book, um, there's some other topics that I think could be really interesting. Um, 
women in racing, obviously one of them. But uh, yeah, I'd like to do a sequel, a follow up to what I what I wrote in two thousand five. When when you're a, a, a young girl growing up in Minnesota, and you can give us you can lay a little uh, Minnesota accent on us once in a while too. That's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, I was reading somewhere where it said you worked real hard to lose the Minnesota the Fargo spec Minnesota accent. I think it's the way it was phrased or something. <laughs> You know, I, and I meant no. I, I I didn't mean to disrespect the Minnesota accent because it's charming. It is. It but, is. Um, and my whole it's charming, and my whole family has it. So I just felt like it might limit me as a host, and so I, I tried hard to to just kind of make it a generic accent. I trained myself to speak to speak without an accent, and well, so I didn't mean any disrespect. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's kind of like I have some real good friends that are in in, in Michigan. It's always the car. Michigan, you know, or my my yeah. relatives are Chicago, you know, and and Wisconsin. And she's, yeah, you know, so they're actually I, kind of all linked. I think they're all very similar. Yeah, I can all, I can generally pinpoint. Are you from you're from Chicago? <laughs> I, I dig the accents. I think that's cool. But uh, the, when you were growing up, though, and I was reading somewhere where your dad and and his, he's well known, and and because I used to do a little vintage racing. As a matter of fact, when I saw you at uh, at SEMA, I mentioned to you that I used to own a. 66 Shelby race car that came from White Bear Lake that was owned by a guy by the name of Jim Whelan and Joe Vadney, and they used to race against your dad. Jim Whelan did. Nice, uh, but they got beat, I'm sure. They got, probably got beat, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, your dad beat just about everybody, you know, but he has a, he has an amazing legacy, you know. And uh, and I thought it was really novel that he changed the name of the racetrack to uh, you know to Brainerd after the city that you guys were near. Yeah, there. he changed it to Brainerd, and and thankfully it's still going strong. But that's cool. So you did some racing as well, mm-hmm. vintage racing and a little sports car racing and stuff. Yeah, I'm a club racer kind of guy, sports car guy. Uh, nice. But hey, hey, wait a minute! And I was reading somewhere that you're a huge Ford girl, and I'm a Ford guy, so that makes it even better. So go Knowles and Ford rules. I do love Ford, but but you know I, I I'm. I'm partial to just all the American manufacturers. Like, I, I love Ford, and um, I, right now I have my eye on a 69 Camaro, and, of course, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Cuda. And um, I, I just took a picture in my neighborhood um, of this amazing Challenger, 70 Challenger. Like, I, I like, I like all the, the American manufacturers, and, but then I also have a European sports car. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. I just that's like good. cars. That's, I just like cars. That's the best part. I checked the digs cars. That's cool. That's cool. So anyway, and the so Knowles. pardon me. And the Knowles. And the Knowles. Go Knowles. Yeah. So all right. So we covered the. You're Florida State girl. You love Fords. You love all muscle cars, which is cool. Um, and you're really into cars too. So have you ever had any ambitions or aspirations to do any driving, any racing, uh, club racing, or sport car racing of your own? You know, I do it on the roads. No, I, lo- I love to drive fast, obviously, and I'm, and I'm a good driver, I have to say. Um, I defy the stereotype about women drivers, and because um, I learned it from my dad, and, you know, you can't help it. I, I watched him drive on the track and, and on the roads uh, all these years. So, But um, I, my parents forbid it. They just, it, back in the day, racing wasn't as safe as it is now, and, and um, my parents support us fully, all of us children, but they said, you know, that they really, they wanted us to to kind of like uh, not choose racing as our career path. And so they discouraged it. And for that reason, I never went down the racing road. But, um, but you know, I've, I've, I've been out on the tracks before. I've been test driving. And, and, of course, I love to be behind the wheel. I've just never, I've never done it professionally, no. Have you, um, when your dad was racing in all those days, 
did you you got some good stories or some short stories you can tell us about some of the drivers that you got to meet? I mean, obviously Paul Newman was a regular up at that racetrack, and there were some other yeah. celebrities and the Smothers Brothers and John Greenwood and those guys used to race up that at that track a lot. You got any stories about any of those guys? Did you bump into them at all? Yeah, you know, Paul Newman used to stay at our cabin. Um, my dad kind of, uh, gave, my dad is the least starstruck type person. Like, he he does not care if you're a celebrity, you know, or if he's standing next to the president. It doesn't matter. So um, Paul Newman came up and put his arm around my dad and said, um, you know, Jerry, I, I follow your career, and I'm impressed by your racing, and I would really love it if you would help me beat my time on this track. And they were at Road Atlanta. And so my dad's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. And so, like, Paul Newman ends up getting his, his time and, and becoming a better driver as a result of, of spending some time with my dad. And he said, how can I repay you? You know, can I take your family to, to dinner in Atlanta tonight? And, and my dad said, well, I can tell you what you could do that would really make me happy. You could come and race the Trans Am Series in, in Brainerd, Minnesota, at our track. And so... Uh, Paul Newman came, and he had a blast with it, and he ended up coming for 20 years and racing the Trans Am Series um, against my dad. And, um, and then he would, he would actually stay at our lake home in northern Minnesota. So not only did, did I get to spend time on the racetrack with Paul Newman, but we would go back to the cabin and ride the jet skis and, and the speedboats and, and water ski and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. And he would make us popcorn and spaghetti, and he's just a really, really good dude. So, so I spent a lot of time with Paul Newman and um, also got to know, you know, Mario Andretti and Jackie Stewart and, and just all the drivers and, and athletes who would, who would try racing and Tom Cruise who, who did a little racing. And it, it was a fun, it was a fun time. Those are some crazy cool years. Did you travel around a lot of the other tracks with your dad too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We spent a lot of time at, at like Blackhawk and Road Atlanta, of course. And, um, Gosh, what are some of the other tracks? A lot of the tracks in the Midwest and um, in tracks in California. Um, yeah, that that was that's been my life, and so it was perfect to segue into you know automotive hosting as I have. How about Sebring and Daytona? Did your dad race down here at Palm Beach International Raceway down in West Palm Beach? Yeah, he he's pretty much raced every track, but okay. like obviously growing up, I didn't have a chance to go to every racetrack. But um, but I've been I've been going to them now, like for NASCAR and and indie and um so do you have any particular type of racing that you'd like to follow that you think uh that 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 kind of piques your interest i mean you've got indie car obviously you got formula one you got sprint car you got nascar you got drag racing anything in particular any type of racing you like kind of gets you more excited than the I, other i like them all you know and i know that sounds like a generic answer but i just like cars and speed so i like them all but um but I have to say I have friends in NHRA and I have friends in NASCAR, so those are the two that I probably follow more closely. And like in growing up on a drag strip, I can't help but just love NHRA. But but um, but NASCAR is is probably what I what I follow most closely, just because of my friends in the sport. Have you ever had uh, you know while we were on the subject about the you know hosting shows? How about your own show? Do you have an idea for a show that you think would appeal to both guys and gals as you, the primary host, and something that you put together and produced yourself? Yeah, you know it's funny you ask because I've I've had a couple different things in motion and and for one reason or another uh, things got really close to happening and didn't totally transpire. But um, there are some things in the works right now, and and I'm just really dedicated to making them happen and. 
Um, I'm pretty ambitious, so I think that, you know, hopefully we can make one of one or two of these projects come to fruition. Hmm. Okay. So, there, like, you can't talk about it yet, right? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I can't really talk about it. That's no, okay. But, um, no, I understand. But it would be like the, the, right, the right kind of reality. <laughs> you super, know? So super. We're, we're, we're merging those two worlds, so. Now, what other career goals do you have? I mean, besides, you know, you know, hosting a show and, and, and tell us a little bit about, yeah, that reminds me, you do, you, you're involved with like a travel series or two for a while, or you did do that, right? Yeah, I did a travel series for Fox Sports called Destination Wild, and it was a blast. I traveled the country and did um, adventure sports with Olympians and world-class athletes, and we would show people the, 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 the kind of coolest cities in the country and the sports that you can do in those places, and and then we'd show you where to eat and sleep and go to the spa and party. And so that was, a, that was an amazing show to host. Um, and then as far as career aspirations, I hope to always stay in the automotive realm because I love it. And that's, that's my, you know, one of my biggest passions. But um, I just love to host. And so I'm open to all opportunities. But I would ultimately love to have a talk show and get to know people. I, I just love interviewing and getting to know people and and, um, of course, we talked about I'd love to write another book. And then I have a clothing line called Auto Angel, which is getting off the ground right now. And so um, I have hope, high hopes for that as well. And fashion, fashion designing, huh? Your own stuff? Yeah, fashion is my second to cars or maybe right neck and neck with cars is my, is my passion for clothes and fashion. So Okay. What do you like? Do you like ultra-modern stuff? Do you like traditional stuff? Or uh, is it kind of a mix? You know, I really mix it up. Like, it, when I'm on the red carpet, I love to to wear, you know, uh, really, really killer dresses and, and fun heels. And and I, I like to mix up my looks, and I have a lot of fun with fashion. But then, you know, day-to-day, I'm, I'm a jeans and T-shirt girl. And then if I'm going out with friends at night, I like to, to dress, you know, funky and, and, and edgy. So I'd say that my look is, like, classic with an edge. Okay. Outside yeah. of cars, what other hobbies do you have? Uh, I love to take pictures. So I've, I've never, like, you know, taken a, a professional a photography class, but I, I have some cool cameras, and I love to take photos, and I have a, a house filled with pictures. People always make fun of me for that, but it's kind of like a, a, another form of art to me. And then um, I love doing charity work. I recently got back from a trip to South Africa where I was doing some charity work in the townships there, which was really special, incredible experience. And then... Uh, I love people and entertaining and, you know, having people to my house and cooking and drinking good tequila and uh, nice wine. And I love to travel. So whenever I, I have the chance, I like to go to different places and see the world. Okay. So you're kind of a homebody too then? I am a bit of a homebody. I've spent the last several nights at home. I, it goes in spurts where I'm traveling like crazy and seeing different parts of the world and working and spending time with friends in different cities, and then I come home and I'm like, yes, I get my own bed and my own kitchen and, and just to chill and be quiet and have my backyard. So it, it, I'm, I'm all about balance in my life, for sure. Okay. How about motorcycles? You know, I, I had an injury on one as a passenger back um, on, on our racetrack at Brainerd when I was, when I was uh, 12, and so it was a pretty bad accident where I could have been killed and they thought I had broken my neck and, like, nobody would move me. I was just laying on the ground. I, I broke my left arm in six places. Like, I mean, I basically shattered my left arm. And, um, and so, and thankfully, nothing worse besides getting the wind knocked out of me to the point I couldn't breathe for what seemed like 10 minutes. <laughs> but, um, 
I since then I rode a I, I was on a motorcycle at Sturgis in the motor, in the in the rally for Destination Wild, but and I'll ride a moped, but I really I love to look at them, I love to listen to them, but I stay away from them because I now have a fear after that accident. You know, granted, I was a passenger. I've never, I've thank God, not going would have never had an uh, an accident as a driver on anything, but um, but it just it scared me really badly. So I I stay away from motorcycles. I just you know I, I love to look at them and listen to them, and that's it. <laughs> so. Was it a dirt bike or a street bike? It was kind of like a it was like a souped up moped. It was like a really fancy moped, but um, really? but it was fast and 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 the wreck was bad, and so. I suppose I should get back on the bike, but I just I leave it at mopeds. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? How about we tone it down a little bit? Did you ever? Were you ever into horseback riding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? I've actually done that. I've, I did it on Destination Wild, and my my cousins were big into it, and so I've ridden horses a lot. Yeah, I lo- I enjoy that. Okay, biking. You like biking too? Yeah, I like biking. Okay. Mountain biking is, is not. Not as much. <laughs> I had some wipeouts on Destination Wild doing the mountain biking episode, but um, but yeah, of course I own a bike, and I used to ride uh, fifteen to twenty miles every day just to kind of clear my head uh, when we weren't when, when we weren't shooting over Holland when I lived on the beach. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I enjoy cycling. All right, and then since you always had the need for speed, I'm sure you were into snowmobiles, right? Oh, yeah. We had some <laughs> snowmobiles, and I grew up snowmobiling, and I did some work for Arcticat as well, and so um, I'm, I love snowmobiling, yes. How about you? Me? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a car guy, obviously. Dirt bikes, motorcycles. Uh, I do all that stuff. Fast boats. I've had cigarettes. I've had uh, just, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm your typical all-around dirty blue jean flannel shirt, which I'm wearing right now, T-shirt, uh, you know, rough and ready uh, car guy, you know, in the garage, got the music going. But in fact, I used nice. to joke, I used to joke about this on the show when I first got going and when I started this two and a half years ago, and I really wasn't sure where the show was going to go. You know, I still don't, you know, but I'm, I've been very fortunate that I've kind of worked it to where I've been able to get some people of celebrity status and a lot of legendary people. I mean, some of the great guests have been on my show, Carol Shelby, Mario Andretti, Dan Gurney, you know, people like that have been on my show. Ed Pink's coming on tomorrow night. And uh, and then I have people like you, uh, Jay Leno's been on the show. I mean, it's just amazing how it's kind of worked out. But when I first started the show, I was kind of, because I'm on at 7 o'clock in the evenings here in, in Florida, and I said, the show is kind of targeted to the guy that come home, turns on his radio, goes in the garage, wrenches on his car, and some of the music that I play, which is your late 60s, early 70s, kind of mod, rock, psychedelic music, and when you pick up that, that half-inch wrench and you hear a song, you know exactly what tool you had in your hand at the time and what bolt you were taking off the car when you were pinned underneath the car between a creeper and a transmission on a cold, wet floor, probably damp because we're in Florida in the wintertime, and, and that's kind of where the, how the show kind of started out, you know, and then eventually it just kind of, I couldn't get any local people to kind of jump on the show, and next thing you know, I just got a celebrity, and then it was, which was happened to be Bobby Rahal, then Brian Redman, then uh, Dave Bowman came on from Two Guys Garage, then Stacy David from uh, Gears TV, and then uh, it's been a role ever since. So, but anyway, good for you, that's a cool story. Good for you, and yeah, I, I love the idea of music and working on cars, and it just it just kind of creates and or solidifies those memories. And, mm-hmm. and then whenever you hear the, those those tunes, I'm sure that you you're reminded of that experience working on working on your cars in the garage. What's your daily driver? Believe it or not, it's a 2004 diesel four-wheel drive excursion. <laughs> oh, that works. Yeah. And what's then, uh, dream car? Like, like, what's your dream car that you haven't owned yet? 
But my dream car, okay, since you're interviewing me here, this is good. Uh, actually, a 427 Cobra. Those cars have eluded me a hundred times. I've owned a number of Shelbys, okay, and Boss Mustangs, because I'm really heavy in the Shelby and Bosses, and I'm also one of the state refs for the Shelby Club. And uh, But the 427 yeah. Cobra is probably the one car, a Lamborghini 350 GT, which I, I love those cars. I remember those ca- cars as a kid when I was growing up in Europe in the 60s. I think that was a really neat piece. I love the early Ferraris, 60s Ferraris. Like a 330 GTC or a 250 Lusso. Um, but they're just, they've all kind of, you know, I, I, it's kind of like I'll be in Scottsdale next week. I'm sure you'll probably be there as well, right? Me too, yeah. And, uh, when you, when you, when you go to the auctions, you go to Gooding or you go to RM and you see these cars bringing four, five, six, seven, ten million dollars. And these are the cars that when I was a kid in the seventies, you could buy for four, five grand. It boggles my mind. It's just like the hopes of ever getting these. Yeah. Unbelievable. They, they, they've had a couple of my dad's cars go across the, the block at the different auctions and where they have the reserve of like 1.5 million. And my dad's like, oh, I'd call him and be like, do you realize this car is, has a reserve of 1.5 million? He's like, why did I sell, <laughs> <laughs> why did I sell any of those cars? Um, speaking of the, the Cobra, Carol Shelby loaned me for an event um, one of his personal 427 Cobras. And no kidding. Talk about a special, yes. And there, there's pictures of it on my Facebook page, um, which, by the way, my Facebook page is, um, it's facebook.com uh, forward slash um, official Courtney Hansen. Okay. So if anyone wants to go there, and, and yeah, you can see a picture of the car. It's, it was absolutely stunning. And, of course, I had the keys, but I didn't dare drive it. <laughs> I was like, this car is $1.8 million. I don't think I'll be driving it. <laughs> you did drive it? No, I, I didn't. I, I, did you ride it in it just, at least? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That's good. But I just didn't want to take that chance, and it was, you know... A big event, lots going on, and I just, if it was a little more low-key, I might have taken it for a quick spin, but, but I got to at least ride in it, so well, I enjoyed looking at it all evening. Did you, um, did, was your dad a car collector as well? I know he had the race cars, and, usually, and he actually started out, you know what's interesting, is I was reading a bio on your dad, and he started out basically hustling junk. Now, I used to be in the salvage yard business. I was in the salvage yard business for... 25 years and that's what i did i used to buy sell buy sell buy and it's funny how that pyramids but that's exactly how it works and then, of course your dad got into real estate which just so happens i was in the real estate for a number of years as well so it's an interesting parallel and then, of course he took it his his evolved very very well mine didn't quite go as well as your dad's did but during that time <laughs> did he have did he have did he collect cars as well as the race cars I was going to say, look at what you're doing now. Of course, you've, you've attained awesome success, so that's that's really cool. But yeah, he um, when I when I am co-hosting a show with you on Spike TV, I will have reached awesome success. How about that? Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> there's an idea. It's an excellent yeah. idea. <laughs> yes, um, we'll talk more about Jackson. Okay, so, super. Yeah, my dad. He, he didn't really collect. Um, car, you know, I don't know. I think he actually did. He had several Rolls Royces. He had Ferraris. He basically, he's owned every kind of car. I mean, people have come up to me and said, like, oh, yeah, I bought this, like, this 71 Cuda from your dad back in the, and I'll ask my dad about it, and he'll kind of, like, scratch his head. He's like, I don't remember. Like, I think he's owned so many cars, and, and he, he forgets. Like, you know, I mean, maybe it's just <laughs> getting old. <laughs> he's getting forgetful. But I think he used to, yeah, he would buy and sell cars all the time, and I guess he, he was a bit of a collector. But um, but he was more into racing and just in, and racing them all and driving them all and and um and he's a car guy through and through. So 
He passed it along to all of us kids, thank God. Well, that's good. That's good. Now, do you, as, as, as growing up, of all the cars that you can recollect, what, what was one of, one of the coolest cars that you used to ride around with your dad in? Gosh, you know, um, there were so many. Like, like, he was letting me drive these cars when I was a, a little girl. Like, I had the opportunity to drive, I believe it was a Rolls Royce. Or, yeah, I think it was a Rolls Royce in a parade around the racetrack when I was like, 10 years old. No kidding. So I got to drive, yeah, or like, or like, let's say the, 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 the new Viper was out. Like, like my dad would, would get a hold of it before anybody else, like with the editors of the magazines and like, I would get to like ride in the Viper with my dad or like if, um, I don't know, like if, if Paul Newman owned a cool car, I would get to take a spin in that or, you know, so it was, it wasn't really, I can't think of a, a car in particular that stood out because there's been so many amazing Amazing vehicles, you know, both American and and you know modern sports cars and and vintage European sports cars. So it'd be hard for me to choose, but I just know there were so many cool experiences along the way where it was like, yeah, I get to drive this when I'm like ten, or or I get to you know drive this before anybody else does and be one of the first people to see this new model or, or whatever. So that's what I remember. Of now, I'm going to ask you this question: Which, if there's a car out there that you would love to have that you haven't had yet, what would it be? Uh, the Ford GT for sure. Really? Okay. Um, the Ford GT is one of my favorites, and my dad was like suggesting that I would have that as my daily driver. I said, "Dad, okay, first of all, let's talk about a gas guzzler. Second of all, <laughs> parking in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, I don't know about that, but he's just such an enthusiast that he's like, why not? If you love that car, just go for it. Whatever." Um, uh, Adam Carolla and I get along really well. No, so I would I would love to have the the Ford GT. I would love to have. You know, I know it's not one of the fanciest, but I would, I would love the '69 Camaro. Um, I'm a big fan of of the '71 Cuda. Um, and I recently got my my dream car, which was the '57 Thunderbird. Really? No, it's girly. It's a feminine car. I know, but I just I, aesthetically, I think it's so gorgeous. And so, uh, I got a white on white '57 Thunderbird last summer, and I, I've driven it every single day since I since I got it. Well, I got to tell you, if, um, you, if if you go to my website, my logo is a '57 T Bird Gasser. Nice. Yes. Okay. Now I got to tell you this. My first car was a 1965 Austin Healey because I was a sports car guy. Okay. I wanted the 356 Porsche, but back in 1972, it was $800. The Healey was $500. And when you're making a dollar eighteen an hour, $300 is a lot of money. So I had the Healey, believe it or not, for six days. And then some girl in the 73 Nova piled me up. So then my next car, which was supposed to be a 69 Shelby convertible, which I'd worked and saved up for anyway, uh, turned out to be the insurance cost as much as the car did, so that was a no-no. So then my second car is a, was, and still is, a 57 Thunderbird. Nice! i got to see your website. What, what, what is the website? It's uh, The website is called GolfStreamMotorsports.com, and if you go to the website, okay. there's a huge picture of it. In fact, if you could, go ahead and like us on Facebook, too. You can do that, and then we'll do the same okay. with you. And then okay. I will bring you... What size shirt do you wear? I will bring you a shirt when I see you. Uh, I would love a small. Okay. And I, and I will I will rock it for you. That's cool. Absolutely. So 
you share a passion for the T-Bird. I mean, I just think it's like the engines, the 312, it's obviously the greatest as far as performance, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I love the sound of the engine. I love the smell of the engine. I think the car is so gorgeous aesthetically, and it gets more attention. I'm, I drive an Aston Martin DB9 as well. Good girl. That gets, a little, that gets a little bit of attention, but the T-Bird, forget about it. I mean, it's like I can't even go one block without a man, woman, child, somebody... Saying how much they love the car. It's just beautiful and it's nostalgic and it it just stands out. I I, I love that car. That's great. What's now, under the hood? Although Suzanne Summers drove the '56 in American Graffiti and it was white, white. I think the '57 is a prettier car, don't you? Yeah, I just I, I prefer I prefer the car without the tire on the back, mm-hmm. and I like also the fins. the wheel on the back, and and I like the the bigger fins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan of the '57. I do like the '56 too, but if I was gonna get a '56, I would modify it and I would remove the wheel and, and I would I would just do some other modifications. But I plan to leave my '57 um, original. That's good. That's good. Now, what about a '65 Mustang? Somewhere I was reading you always wanted the '65 Mustang convertible. Oh, yeah, I'd like a 65 Mustang. There's so many cars I would love to have. I mean, the list goes on and on. I I love the 65 Mustang convertible. I even, I like the... Um, the Eldorados a lot. Like I would, I, w- I wouldn't mind a '59 Eldorado. I'm really? a fan of those huge tail fins, and yeah. And I got to drive one last year in the um, the Detroit uh, Woodward Dream Cruise, and I had so much fun in that car. I was like, I want one of these. Super. Of course, I like the the '50s Corvettes a lot. Um, I, I could talk with you for days about the cars. Well, we'll, do, we'll have to get together there, and we'll uh, we'll have to talk about cars for a while. That'll work out real good. I don't discriminate. Yes, let's talk about cars at Barrett-Jackson. What days are you going to be at Barrett? I'm going out there uh, the first part of the week because I have to, I actually write part-time for Sports Car Market, so I'm covering the Russo and Steel auction. I'm doing the auction analysis reports for them. I'll be there. And, I'll be there. But I will be at Gooding, RM, Bonhams, Russo, Silver, and, of course, Barrett. So, well, uh, I will be... I will be um, in Scottsdale, I believe, all week from beginning Tuesday night. So okay. I'll be there all Super. And then, do you know what? Are you familiar with the uh, big car show at the Pavilion Mall, Pavilion Shopping Center? Uh-uh. Oh, that's huge. That's really huge. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I will shoot you an email with some information on that stuff, roughly with some of the stuff that I go check out while I'm there. In fact, I got a date with Bob Bondra because he's supposed to take me around the racetrack. So I got to hook Sweet. up with him, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bob. So I got some. I got a busy week oh, ahead of me over there. But anyway, yeah. all right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, uh, well, let me do this. We're just about out of time. I want to thank my special guest this evening, which was the lovely and talented Courtney Hansen for coming on our show tonight. Courtney, thank you very much. And I, I want to tell you, this is honestly, I, I mean it, one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done because you're so genuine and easy to talk to and I feel your passion for cars and I really enjoyed it. So I, I, I mean that, that it's one of my favorite interviews ever. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Please pass it along to anybody else because I'm trying to get as many people on my show as possible that, you know, that really truly enjoy cars, that are passionate about cars, that are well-known figures because what I want to do more than anything else is convey to people this, this is a great sport. It's fun and it's for everybody and it's very family oriented. I definitely will. I, I definitely will. I can connect you to a few people that just came to my mind now. So um, we'll do that and we'll like each other on Facebook. Super. All right, I want to thank my special guest this evening was Courtney Hansen. Courtney, thank you for coming on the show. And Courtney, you will definitely come on the show again sometime, won't you? Oh, absolutely. I would love to be back and, and hopefully in person at some point. And can I can I ask for one little plug? Sure. Can we say my Twitter? Can we say my Twitter handle? Which Go absolutely, absolutely. And okay. plug your plug your uh, website too as well. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So 
also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's just my name, Courtney Hansen, and it's H-A-N-S-E-N. And then my website is CourtneyHanson.com. Super. Okay, well, anybody, be sure and follow Courtney Hansen on Twitter, and don't forget to check out our website. Everybody else, I want you to drive carefully, stay safe, and love your family, and tune into the Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We'll see you guys at some of the car shows. Take care, everybody. We chased our pleasures here. 